This part of the gospel story that we hear today about Jesus saying that if the temple is destroyed, then he'll rebuild it in three days, becomes later, as we'll see in Holy Week, the key part of the case for the prosecution. As Jesus is brought in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the chief priests, they cast around for reasons to do away with him. And eventually they get a couple of chances who come along and say, yeah, we heard him say that he's going to destroy this temple and build it in three days. And the chief priest Satan says to him, what do you say about this? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, those are your words. And that's enough to condemn him. This story is key in that. And yet at the same time, it's so important because as the gospel tells us, as we are the recipients of the good news. This is not literal, but this is metaphorical. This is not about the physical temple. This is not about Herod's great temple, which has taken 30 plus years to construct. This is about the Son of God, who is destroyed on a cross and conquers death and sin for us and comes back. It is this inability to distinguish between the literal and the metaphorical, or put slightly differently, it is this inability to take off from earth and soar upwards from there. And this dichotomy, these paradoxes, exist throughout the Gospels. That's the tension which draws us towards the truth. Because earlier in this story, after Jesus has raised Lazarus, Caiaphas, the chief priest, calls the Sanhedrin together, calls together the council, and they say, we're in real trouble. Because if this guy carries on doing this, people are going to believe in him. And if they believe in him, then the Romans are going to get mad, and we're going to lose our place in society, and we're going to lose our nation. And Caiaphas says to them, in the ultimate, cynical, worldly way, he said, do you not realize that it is better for one man to die than for the nation to perish. That's the dichotomy between the things of man, of humanity, and the things of God. And it's that tension that we see throughout the Gospels. Because cast your mind back to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, if your eye offends you, it is better to pluck it out than for your whole body to go into hell. If your hand offends you, sins, then cut it off, because it is better to lose one limb than for the whole body to go into hell. And there's a surface similarity between that and between what Caiaphas says, one man, one limb, one eye. But of course there's also a fundamental difference, because what Caiaphas says is let's kill one innocent man in order that we may preserve our position in our nation. And what Jesus is saying is, Rather than perceive, rather than continue to hold what you believe as being earthly perfection, cut off the thing which is going to condemn all of you. It's that fundamental difference. One is tied to God, and one is tied to the things of the world. And this message is even more clearly spelled out in this fabulous passage from 1 Corinthians, which we heard today. In this, St. Paul talks about the foolishness of God, which is actually wisdom, and the wisdom of mankind, of humanity, which is actually pure foolishness. 
And he gives a couple of examples of this. He says, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. And here again, going back to the Gospel, this is exactly what they say. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? What sign can you show us for doing this? They had envisaged the Messiah as coming to restore this earthly kingdom, and they want an earthly sign of it. And likewise, the Greeks, the Greeks, the Gentiles, whatever we want to call them, who value wisdom so much, imagine that they have it all sorted out. That they can figure it all out. And what they do is not what the Jews do, in inverted commas, which is to make an earthly Messiah who is going to be as the God of the Old Testament was, you know, this strong hand, this outstretched arm, which makes the world all right. No, for the Greeks, essentially what they do is to turn God into a higher image of themselves, a higher vision of themselves. Wisdom and foolishness. God's foolishness, human wisdom. God's wisdom and human foolishness. But, just to be very clear, this is not just a problem for the Jews and Greeks of 2,000 years ago. This is a problem for us Christians. Our faith, our creed, just to use a couple of examples, has given us crusades, the Inquisition, mass conversion of indigenous people, slavery. Slavery including right here until 150 years ago. Racial superiority, misogyny, homophobia. That is not a great record. And what is that? Is that God's foolishness? Is that human wisdom? I don't think so. And just in case we're worried that that's in the past, or we think that that's in the past, just think back over the past couple of months. There's the prosperity gospel. There's white nationalism. There were crosses and signs saying, Jesus saves, at the Capitol on January the 6th. Human wisdom, God's foolishness. But I also want to make another point. One of the parables that I constantly come back to, because it worries me personally, is the parable that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector where both come to pray at the temple. And the Pharisee stands up, proudly, assured of himself, looks up to God, thanks God, but he also says, and God, I thank you, but I'm not like him. I'm not like him. I'm not like that miserable sinner. You know, I'm good. I've done everything I've meant to do. I've followed everything. You know, you, you and me, God, we're like that. Jesus says, make no mistake, that is not correct. But that is the error into which we may fall. I suspect that nobody here in this church, nobody watching this, would imagine for a moment that they're going to slip into the fault of muscular Christianity. That they're not going to make those mistakes of looking for those human signs, of trying to defend these earthly conventions, these earthly institutions. But, we run the risk of thinking that we're good, that we've got it taken, 
And that we actually have a God who is in our image. No. What St. Paul tells us is, do not imagine for a moment that any of you have this right. Because what you think is wisdom is not. God's foolishness, God's foolishness to the people of the world, the people of the world who think that they have it physically sorted out or mentally sorted out, no, you don't. It's different. And we need to be careful about this. We at St. John's need to be careful about this. Over the past several months, we have received accolades, praise for the way that we stood up last year and for the things that we've done since, including sacred ground. And we might become comfortable in that position, in that assumption. We may think that we have it all sorted out. But we can't be complacent for a moment. I want to read to you, and Rob sent this to me, and I think Andrew Hunt had sent it to him. A fabulous sermon that uh, John Harper preached almost 30 years ago, just as he was leaving the church. And he quoted from the theologian Samuel Miller. And Miller writes, It is not enough to do everything we have always done. The church cannot amuse itself with the posture of past prestige or present popularity. It has inherited a revolution. It will be judged not by the, measure, by the measure of its action in dealing with the radical changes in our world, not by its nostalgic reverence or its sterile respectability. That also sums up the wisdom of God and human foolishness. We do not have this all sorted out. We are headed, I believe, in the right direction. But the only way that we can continue to get there is to recognize our weakness and our foolishness, rather than to project that onto others, to constantly ask ourselves whether we may be those modern-day Jews and Greeks. And, I'll give you an example again about myself, only this week there was a story, which many of you may have seen in the Washington Post, about changes to the zoning uh, and in particular about increasing social housing in Northwest, Upper Northwest. I read that story and I thought, hmm, why on earth aren't they spending that money in Southeast? Wouldn't it be better spent in Southeast? Now, I may be, I thought at the time in state, but actually it wasn't, of articulating that to Michelle, who was sitting across the breakfast table from me, who came back, sharp as a whip, you realize what you're saying, don't you? You're saying, not here. Not these people. Do it in Southeast. That sounds like a reasonable, rational thing to do. But of course it isn't. Because we live in a deeply segregated city. We could build palaces across the Anacostia. But the lack of amenities, the lack of transportation, the lack of healthcare, the lack of food, the different schools, all of that, mean that actually that is nowhere near enough. And therefore we think ourselves into this position where we're doing the right thing, we're saying the right thing. We're even giving money to the right causes. And yet we're missing what's at the heart of it. Which is that God wants us all to be together. And not on our terms, but on God's terms. 
We're on the road. I really truly believe that we're on the road. But it's a tough one. And it's a hard one. And to keep moving forward requires that constant question. Not relying on our own wisdom, but acknowledging our own foolishness. Asking God for his wisdom, the wisdom which is displayed on the cross, the cross which was a scandal to the Jews and to the Greeks. It is understanding that whatever we may think is right is almost certainly wrong, because we're not seeing it through the lens of God. We're seeing it through our own lens. And the world is tempting. It's enticing. We want to feel valued. We want to feel admired. We want to feel respected. But we are not called to be that Pharisee who stands praying on the street corner in order to be acknowledged. We are not the Pharisee who stands in the best place in the synagogue to be valued, to be admired. We are called to take up our cross and follow him in our confusion and in our helplessness. Because, as St. Paul says, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength.